0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase
1: emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders, with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland.
0: What's going on, Wallcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. The oil services sector has really gotten the short end of the stick over the last decade. And as soon as commodity prices start to slip, EMPs start asking for major discounts from their vendors, thus cutting into their already really, really thin margins. But despite all of this, there are still a lot of OFS startups like Panther Fluids popping up across the industry. We talked to them how they're setting themselves apart from their competitors and how they've evolved and expanded into new offerings that they hope will provide them an edge. So it was a great episode and really hope you guys enjoy it. If you didn't know yet, on March 10th, we are hosting an event called Evolve, the next evolution of oil and gas. So big thanks to Technip FMC for being our headlining sponsor. Uh, and thanks to everybody else who is participating in that so far. Uh, we have a ton of information on the website at digitalwildcatters.com forward slash Evolve. Events have always been a big part of what we've done, and we wanted to figure out a way to do a virtual event that wouldn't suck. Uh, We wrangled up some of the biggest names in the industry, including Toby Rice, CEO of EQT, Dan Pickering, the CIO of Pickering Energy Partners, formerly of TPH. Uh, We've got Alan Gilmer, chairman and founder of Inveris. Everybody knows them. And everybody knows David Ramsenwood and Chuck Yates these days. So uh, it's going to be great. We're having lots of uh, casual conversations of what is the next evolution of oil and gas going to look like and how can we leverage cutting edge technologies to really help us get there. Uh, we'll also be speaking with tons of startups and seeing them run through some quick demos, other technologies, kind of like we did with the energy tech nights back in the day, if you remember those. Registration is completely free, 100%. So just go to digitalwildcatters.com forward slash evolve to register. So sorry for the really long-winded intro, but I want to see all you guys there. Um, So really quickly, before we get into the episode, let's run into our TBH energy insight of the week. All right, oil prices and gas prices have shut up. Fracking is picking back up. We, I think we're at like, what, 130? No, 175 active frack spreads. We've got like close to 400 rigs. We're like eleven weeks in a row for rig count going up. More where do we think? Where do we think oil prices even go in gas prices? Let's talk about that. Obviously, because we have a cold front coming in, we've seen massive spike in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's not You're about to get majorly just, boned on your electricity polar, prices.
2: Polar vortex, and just a cold front, and it's been wild. I mean, saw four hundred dollar Nat gas prices here um, in North Texas and Oklahoma over the last couple of days, and think energy twitter's having a heyday right now it's kind of like the super bowl of energy twitter everyone's talking about it and there's a lot of talk about what renewables what part they play in all of this you know one thing i didn't really i wasn't really aware of until the last couple of days is how poorly renewables perform in the cold weather in winter and so when you have this extreme of a temperature change in Texas, it becomes a serious problem. But, you know, I think that as far as commodity prices, once we get past this, we've seen a lot of increase in WTI and, you know, surely Nat gas comes yep. down. I WTI think
0: is sitting right at 60. Brent's sitting right at like 63 as of today. Yeah. You know, we've uh, seen almost a million.
2: I put out my prediction out there publicly: two hundred dollar WTI in the next three and a half years. And I'm not saying that it's sustainable or it's going to stay at that, but I definitely think that it'll touch. And you know, just everything that you're seeing with the Biden administration, um, you know, OPEC cuts. I saw something yesterday about uh, Norway's um, having a strike at one of their ports, one of their refining ports. So, it's just like everyone wants oil prices to go up. So, I think that that's what we'll see over the next few years.
0: The question is, do we drill it right back into the ground again? Do we or do we not? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We have suppressed demand. It's still a weird time. A lot of people are working from home still. Not a lot of people on the road.
2: I I saw a couple guys on Twitter yesterday as uh gas prices were spiking they're posting videos out going out to their wells in oklahoma and letting them rip open them up and trying to <laughs> the of pipeline. so that's kind of the true oil and gas way as commodities are going up just go open up the uh you know full throttle on the uh choke
0: <laughs> let her rip baby all right guys go check out the uh, tph energy tech newsletter go check out our roundup newsletter sign up for that and let's get right into the episode what's up walk just welcome back to another episode of the willing ester's podcast we're here in the new studio. We're here with our new buddies, Chris and Tom over at Panther Fluids. We got linked up last week and I said, hey, we got to get you guys on the podcast. And they came bearing gifts. And they came bearing gifts. They came bearing really good <laughs> gifts. I don't know much about vodka, but it looks really expensive. Yeah. We got schooled
2: on some vodka. So there's the tasting vodka. We had the mixing vodka and the tasting vodka, yep. which I didn't even know there was such thing as a tasting vodka. I was you know, if you're downing some vodka, you're just downing <laughs> it. You're not really tasting it. <laughs> you can so do it with vodka. I'm both, excited right? to try that. <laughs> I'm about to do a vodka review and let you guys know how it is. So we got Chris and Tom. Guys, thanks for coming on the show today. Tell us a little bit about what Panther Fluids is, getting getting us started here.
3: I'll kick it off. Um, Panther Fluids is, uh, you know, um, a new startup. We've been around for three years now. So, you know, we're kind of getting out of the startup phase and, you know, really growing still. Um, our key to our business is, you know, we have what we call the Panther advantage. And what that entails is, you know, we manage the the process from your drilling fluids to your solids control equipment, to your haul off and disposal. And we, we manage all that together and, and give the customer one invoice to, to really make their, their life a lot easier, um, than, Going through manifest, going through uh, different invoices, checking here and there. So we streamline the process for them and um, we we provide, uh, provide service and, and quality. And, okay. Uh, that's what we so ourselves on.
2: Let's unpack this a little bit because we may have some people that are listening that aren't from the upstream industry. They don't mm-hmm. know what fluids are, you know, what fluids consist of, uh, you know, what are drilling fluids, what is solids control. So why don't we talk real quick about, you know, what is actually drilling fluids? What is that? What is solids control and then we'll unpack that a little bit for people that aren't familiar
1: yeah absolutely you know so chris and i our background he has more fluids background than i do um you know i started on the drilling contractor side and so very familiar um with the drilling process and the fluid process and so Uh, I mean, diving into it, you know, fluids are, are, I always called it the, the blood of the rig, you know, it's what you would pump down your drill pipe, you know, out your bit, it's going to lubricate your bit. It's going to bring cuttings to surface. It's going to control your pressure. It's going to control your wellbore. And so making sure that you have, you know, the cleanest possible fluids circulating back down hole, is what we're here for you know and for us it's not necessarily dividing up those processes as far as your you know as your, far as your fluids you know building the fluids one you know um, your solids control so cleaning your cuttings disposal of your cuttings and then hauling it off and so our specialty is taking that whole process and combining it under our umbrella and us managing it so we can see you know we have X amount of product Kim's going down hole and we have X amount coming up. Let's clean it and keep it going. And so, um, I mean, that's that's the what Panther was built off of. Now, yeah. you know, that's the fluid piece and, and your solids control and your haul-off disposal. Um, we're branching out to some different segments. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to roll out a security piece, um, you know, a, a, a gate guard solution. Uh, We're also looking to roll out our rental side as well, which we are still, I mean, we're currently doing rentals.
3: We do have some rentals, but um, we plan to expand uh, more into the uh, backyard side of things um, Mm -hmm. on on some rental items and uh, some things on the completion side um, as well. So So when you you say
2: backyard, you're referencing, you know, mud tanks and mixers and things of that nature on a rig.
3: Right, mm-hmm. that's correct,
0: and that would fall in the same strategy of just kind of rolling it all up to where you can kind of be a one-stop solution for these guys.
3: Right, Absolutely. you know, okay. um, you know, that's our end goal was to to be able to uh, to manage you know their 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 backyard for them, um, you know, from the fluids, like Tom said, from the fluids to solids control to the haul off disposal.
2: And back mm-hmm. in my day when I was a can, I just had to do all that myself <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> It spoiled people these days <laughs> it, um yeah it's a it's a unique process and you know we uh we think as far as the the future's heading so yeah so how' does the
2: model worked traditionally up to this point you know like for instance, usually have mud companies right and they're sending out mud they're sending out drilling fluids to um locations and then they have a mud man that goes out mm-hmm. um to location and he's checking mud making sure that's conditioned and that it's good to run down a hole but are they typically not managing the solids control equipment and the haul off I mean are these companies traditionally just not bundled up into one Is so,
3: that- yeah traditionally um you know a mud company provides um the you know the mud and, and the drilling engineer um you know some of them do provide solids control equipment with it as well but you see a lot of them broken up and then the the trucking and the disposal piece um broken up as well you know we um you yeah, know that's that's what's really the main difference is tr- you know creating those synergies between all four of those um services and uh, really honing in and making sure you know everything's working great you know solid control hand the mud engineers working together making sure trucks are there on time you know they're not having s um standby you know stuff like that that you know it really drives you know teamwork together um versus you know you know sometimes you know you can be off yeah you know if if everybody's not working you know as a team yeah so, you guys were actually at H&P, right? That's
2: what you said before the podcast, which is a drilling contractor. Right, yeah, but we met. So,
3: yeah. Tom and I met. We were, you know, we were, <laughs> Sounds like a dating story. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah, we were. <laughs> uh, our first date, March of, March of 15, you know, great time. Yeah, we were, uh, <laughs> I started H&P in, in, in 2015. Tom was already there. So, we got to know each other because, uh, you know, everybody knows in 15, there was nothing going on. Yeah. You know, rigs were, were coming down, not going back up, so it was a it was fun times it was a great company yeah great
2: product yeah i, m- I remember all the pictures of hmp's yard you know from those downturns just seeing stacked rigs out on i don't know if it was i-20 or highway 80 out in uh midland odessa but it's definitely a you know hard time for the drilling side which i have some questions about you know how panthers built up over the last three years and, mm-hmm. and essentially you know building a business in a downturn so we can open up on that a little bit later but what was y'all's backgrounds before HMP or even while at HMP you know are you guys fluid engineers by trade or you drilling engineers if you want to start Chris
3: no um, not a drilling engineer or fluid engineer um, I've been around I had worked in the trucking side of things on the disposal um, I had experience there I'd worked a little bit in solids control had some experience there um, worked with a rental company where we had all different types of rentals from drill pipe to trailer houses to, you know, pressure washers to, you know, all your, your daily kind of rental items. Mm Um, and, and then I went on board with H and P, um, and was there for, for five years. Um, and so predominantly my career was spent, you know, thus far, um, on drilling rigs. Got you. you.
2: Yeah. So were you, uh, over, uh, I was.
3: I've, I've been business development pretty much my um, whole career. I've done some field sales, corporate sales, um, but yeah, I've done sales predominantly my uh, my whole career. Awesome. I, uh, third generation, so
1: it's uh, it's been fun. Runs in the DNA, huh? It does. <laughs> Tom, what about you, man? So I went to, uh, I finished up school at Baylor, you know, back in 09. I'm, I'm only 35. I look older, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I had, uh, you know, interviewed uh, with H&P, probably with about six months left of school left, and um, finished up my last summer class, June 10th. And then I was out working on rig, uh, rig 264 in Barnett. That was a... Uh, Five days later, I think my official start date was June, June 18th. So hauled all my stuff home to my parents' house, which just closed, sold off my bed and my desk, went out (laughs) and started working on the rigs, right? roughnecking, And I did that for a solid year and two weeks on, two weeks off. I, I loved it. I met some great guys out there. Um, I met my wife, you know, not out there, but while I was roughnecking, you <laughs> yeah. know, she wasn't out there, no. um, but, uh, you know, I did that for a solid year. Um, then I got called up to corporate. So Tulsa, Oklahoma for H and B there. I did, um, contracts and billing. Uh, you know, I, my, I was a drilling analyst at that time for a, a, a year and a half, and then sales a sales position opened up down in Houston what is a drilling analyst so a drilling analyst is more so a billing analyst which okay. i believe <laughs> they've changed the title from drilling analyst to billing analyst and so uh, it, essentially we had our areas and so like i when did i finish? when i left there i was doing all of the billing and invoicing and and basically contract audit for our Bakken area. And so I think we had close to 20 20 to 30 rigs running at that time. So I was generating invoices, reviewing tower reports, you know, getting very familiar with contracts at that time. And so... So you're the guy that we're sending tower reports to. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Not directly to me, but uh, I I had to review them quite a bit. Lots of coding, lots of computer work, desk work. And so I did that for a year and a half sales position opened up and i moved down to houston which is where you know i was from um, for sales for hmp in november of 11. so i did sales uh different areas you know the northeast east texas uh and then we all split houston so i had houston accounts and then uh, did that with hmp all the way up until june of last year
2: awesome so Got to ask you, you know, how did you get linked up with Panther Fluids and, and the team over there? And what made you want to make that transition from, you know, H&P, where you're on the drilling side, to being a um, drilling fluid provider?
3: Well, mine's pretty easy. Uh, my dad's one of the uh, managing partners in the company. so, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I've always... Um, love like entrepreneurship and, uh, like startup stuff, you know, as a kid, uh, yeah. I opened my own karate school in eighth grade That's and I awesome. uh, ran it all the way until I was, uh, you know, graduated, um, and went, and went off. Um, and it was awesome. So I've always had, you know, in, inside of me entrepreneurship. And so it was still, you know, a young enough company still growing that I felt like it was time to, to make the move mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and. Come on board and and help him grow into the company that we have envisioned yeah. um, at Panther right now. And um, you know, T- Tom was my colleague at 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 H and P, um, and I felt like he was a large asset to the company. And you know, I had the opportunity for him to come with me, and that's that's awesome. And I was lucky enough to to get him to come on board. You so convinced so it, him, huh? Yeah, it's been uh, <laughs> I, it's been great. I got the call. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about actually building the business and, you know, you guys are both in the BD space, you know, your VP of sales, business development, which is a tough game here in the last, you know, four or five years. Especially on the OFS side. Yeah. Yeah, Since the inception of of Panther Fluids, right? So, but uh, I think I've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast. I'm a big believer in the best businesses are built in the bottom of cycles. Absolutely. And so really it's like you only have one way to go and it's up, right? So, how's it been, you know, on the sales side and developing this business that's a startup? When you know rig count is getting crushed, and you know the the primary customer for you guys they're they're dropping rigs. How is it operating in an environment like that? And what have you guys done to really combat that?
3: Right, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it's always challenging, right? You yeah, always, and you know, but you got to be up for the challenges. And it's been uh, it's been a great opportunity to kind of see that, and you know, at H and P, um, you know, they, they've established themselves for a hundred years. Um, so you know, you really had a unbelievable product line that was that was known to the to the industry, like I said, for a hundred years. So the product, you know, could sell itself. Um, you know, here we're, we're we're having to establish, you know, our our, our the way we do it at Panther, what we call the Panther Advantage. Um, and my opinion is, is service, you know. Um, and, and keep as many rigs as you can get, you know, um, mm-hmm. losing a rig is not, is not an option. So, um, you just got to keep continuing to give good service, good quality equipment, good quality products. And, uh, I believe that, um, that you will, will continue to grow that way.
2: It sounds so simple, but it really is the case where if you're a service-based business, you can really gain market share just by going the extra mile for customers, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just blows my mind that so many people overlook that. And especially when you're going up against bigger players in the space, the more the company scales, you know, usually the, the lower quality of customer service just because it's a corporate environment, right? And so if you're a startup you can literally get an edge on these companies just by giving a damn, essentially. Right. You know, no, and uh, trying to help your customers. No, no, I, I I'd I much rather
0: you. have like a direct line to somebody who's having influence over the company than a customer service line where I can't get a hold of anybody, you know what right? I mean? Especially when it's something like that.
3: And yeah, and that's what, what we like over at Panther. I mean, we all, we all do the same stuff, you know, I mean, we all got different titles, but ultimately at the end of the day, we, we all still do, do the same stuff from, you know, from selling to organizing to ordering to you know, it it's it's been yeah. fun. What
0: areas you guys in? Say that again. What areas you guys in?
3: Um so we, we've drilled in um West Texas, okay. um, South Texas, um, East Texas, um, Louisiana. Um, we've also done some like conventional work and um like way down south and and uh also in like Beaumont area. Um so you know it's a, uh, we're looking at expanding to the Northeast, um, this year. So, um, we're, we're working on that right now. Um, so pretty exciting times there. Um, what does the Northeast look like for you
2: guys? I mean, there's a lot of consolidation up in that space, right? You're seeing a lot of EMPs, uh, merging or, um, liquidating assets. So, you know, how does that look for you guys when you go up into the northeast and you're like, i don't know how many players are up there now but it's definitely mm-hmm. a smaller market than right. permian right right
3: it, it definitely is a, is a lot smaller market but um you know we have some good uh good friends and customers up there you know it's uh one of my good buddies in the industry jp warren would say they're frustumers you know <laughs> and uh it's been a uh, shout out jp yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's a. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to get up there I've spent a lot of my career up there now and um i uh, I'm excited to to grow panther um into a new basin where you guys are you guys gonna have a field office up there um you no know? probably not right away but if you know we yeah. grow big enough up there and um and, you know feel the need we need to do that then that's something that we will we'll do no
2: more. Yeah. I spent a lot of time up in the Marcellus and I really enjoy Pittsburgh. Like, it's a really nice city. It's yeah, a really underrated it city, I It's feel awesome. Like, I feel yeah. like Pittsburgh is a lot like Houston, where when you think of it, you think of like a very industrial city that's just boring and stale. But Pittsburgh is really nice. Yeah, actually, yeah. going through the it's tunnel, awesome. right? You yeah. Know, it's cold. And, and it's just immediate city. <laughs> it right is cold. In face. <laughs> it is cold. Definitely cold. But yeah. So, you know, for you guys, how you know, if you're an EMP and I, I see the value proposition of where it's like, okay, I can get a one-stop shop, but I've also seen that traditionally not work for some larger companies. Like I'll, I'll give an example is like Weatherford used to bundle their wireline with frac crews and the frac would do great, but the wireline would suck. But you wouldn't really say anything because they're giving in the wireline for free, right? And they're trying mm-hmm. to make it vertically integrated. Do you guys see any resistance or um, any barriers to um, selling when people have that to take into account? So like, oh, well, I've got my buddy Joey over here that has solids control <laughs> equipment. And he can rent out. I just need you guys for for mud. Is that something that you guys have to deal with when selling?
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, and they're not... By no means, like a customer's not obligated to take the the whole package you know we can break it out mud um you know they can break it out and if they just want solids control, they just want haul you know they can they can pick whatever service they would like us to manage um you know drilling fluids is 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 our main focus yeah. um and then you know we we tack on the solids control and the haul of and disposal um and so it's it's not something that they must take to to yeah. work with Panther. So um, they can take one product line or all the product lines, and you know we'll.
0: So like we mentioned, we've partnered with Gration, uh over the next six months for the Oil and Gas Artists Podcast. We've been talking about them and their Petrovisor platform over the last couple episodes. In a few weeks, we'll actually be releasing. If you're listening to this in real time, which is uh, kind of middle of uh, February 2021, uh, we'll be releasing an episode with. The chairman and one of the big investors for Deintegration, Peter Bernard, such a fantastic episode. We had a good time chatting with him, so be on the lookout for that. Um, EMP companies, the goal today is not just to maximize production, but also select well-defined opportunities uh, and execute the best possible scenario to maximize return on investment. We've talked about that for a long time. An operator in the Middle East approached Deintegration with some very specific objectives. They need a platform that they could recommend well candidates for workovers or infill drilling ranked by financial metrics, production, probability of success, and other technical indicators. Blows my mind this is not being done yet. The platform also needed to anticipate risk mitigating actions to enhance and ensure a reservoir production by recognizing certain patterns and common failures using a problem score to identify issues on underperforming wells. For the operator, reservoir conditions and well performance parameters are continually changing and the lack of automation inhibits the desire for continuous well optimization. By implementing the Petrovisor platform, the operator was able to integrate data from flat files, simulation outputs, static and dynamic models, and legacy data. Thus creating a single version of truth with data available to all disciplines, the operator, managers, production engineers, and reservoir engineers. The operator streamlined the process for both well placement and workover candidate selection. It's kind of a no brainer. Let's run through some quick numbers for these guys. Uh, They gained real-time performance monitoring and feedback to further validate the selection process in future fields and delivered an MPV improvement of $751 million, which is a 33% increase and reduced capex by 15.4 million dollars which is a decrease of 34 percent integration is a no-brainer if you've known me or what i've done in, in kind of this industry or what i've been attempting to do um, solving this problem was a big part of it and so we're super glad to be partnering with the integration um, they make things like this possible um, so go check them out datagration.com and check these guys out ask for a demo let's get back to the episode do
2: you guys actually um, manufacture the fluid or is it third party? Third like party. Third party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never knew how that worked. Like it seems like there's probably few manufacturers of drilling of right? Yes. Yeah.
1: We're beholden to them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, an interesting piece about about Panther is that we're 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 lean and we're nimble. Yeah. And we we can pivot. I mean, as far as what we offer, you know, we have what we view as our best value proposition, right? Which is the whole service, you know, end-to-end project management. Um, But everyone has their own recipe, right? And we've encountered that for sure. You know, guys have their own uh, uh, fluids departments where, you know, we can't really offer too much there. I mean, but we still have things that we can offer. But then we have guys who don't have any fluids experience at all and we can provide that whole service to them. I think where we can differentiate ourselves from from a larger, you know, service provider is our risk management, you know, where we're essentially if you contract or piecemeal out your offering, you know, these guys are are tied to you. And if there's issues out there, that risk is on the operator, right? Mm -hmm. In our scenario, we we contract those guys. You know, we take on all that risk. And then we have, you know, our agreements with the operator itself. So uh, in a way we are, you know, not in a way, but we are de-risking the operator itself in these operations. And I think that's one thing that, That uh, that might get overlooked um, in a sense, Um, and so that's that coupled with the value proposition. It's, I mean, in our in our opinion, it's a great offering. Yeah, you know, I think it just comes down to the fact that everyone kind of has their their mix and how they do it. Yeah,
2: it's just very much a relationship driven business, right? Mm -hmm. Still is, and so you always overcome those barriers. But I was a project manager, and so I know what it's like coordinating with you know, six different third parties to try to get equipment out to location at a specific time, mm-hmm. which is always a, a moving target in itself. And so I see value propositions like, Hey, if I could just call one company and you guys handle everything, it saves me time as long as you're good at all of them. Right. And Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you you Absolutely. guys were
0: talking about, you're expanding into the security side and mm-hmm. kind of unpack that a little bit. And like, what, it, like what exactly are you doing and how did that kind of come to be?
1: Uh, I mean, as far as diving into it, you know, we with with Panther being our size, you know, in private, um, you know, it's kind of like I said a little bit ago and that we're 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 able to easily pivot. Right. And so mm-hmm. for us, you know, entrepreneur mindsets, we we like to think up and brainstorm different ideas. And so, uh, you know, working internally. You know with the pandemic and you know you see a lot of of companies demanding out in the field now we're not full on fans of demand and we understand you know and we appreciate the value that personnel bring to the location um but for us there there's certain scenarios where you can you know uh, essentially Im- improve the process and so we looked heavily at um, the gate guard side of it, you know, and, and where can we improve that process? We went out to location and um, we found some flaws in the system and so we started thinking internally, you know, how, how can we develop a more of a virtual type gate guard? And so um, we've come up with a solution, you know, that involves cameras, um, you know, essentially kind of re- remote operating room. Yeah. Um, to where you can have a security checkpoint that the personnel can approach and not have really much human interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we can turn around and provide all the necessary information and security to the operator itself. That's and pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cause think about it, you well, know, what, so yeah, how, how does it normally work? That's
2: what I was about to say. Let's talk about the traditional processes. Do you, so you, got like, like you get like like an armed guard no, like no. checking <laughs> <laughs> or like <laughs> not
0: America? <laughs> oh maybe it depends on the
1: although yeah.
2: I was at this one location. It was in South Dallas in the neighborhoods. And they had these like 12 feet walls with barbed wire, razor yeah. wire around. And I asked the company, man, I was like, Hey man, why does this look like a prison? He's like, when they were building the location, he said they got armed at gunpoint three times while wow. they were building the pad. So when <laughs> they're on, they had to have armed security and barbed wire. But no, typically you got to a location and yeah. there's a gate guard. They have a little shack. They're sitting out there and they walk out to you with their clipboard and you tell them your name and what company are you here? working for and that's the process so
0: just sign in sign out kind of thing right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and does that information uh, get to the operator you know it, yeah. yeah i'm sure it does you know yeah. um is it 100% consistent we don't know yeah is it um, more
0: so for personnel security in terms of like safety i think or is it or is it also assets and yeah both. make sure people are not stealing it's shit it's, it's, a,
1: it's all it's all loads and personnel traveling to and from location okay you know check in and so you know, our experience, we pulled up and uh, th- no gate guard. You know, it, it, the shack was there and we knocked on the door and nobody answered and we got to location. And we, you know, went on with business, right? We know the people out there. And so uh, then on the way back, you know, comes walking out. And, yeah. you know, who are y'all? You know, where where, where are you all? And we're like, <laughs> we we knocked on your door, you know, nobody came. And so I think at that point we realized the gap, in the process that 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 we could provide a solution for, mm-hmm. you know, at the same or less, you know, lower cost, yeah, to the operator, um, to where it's more of an electronic version. Um, I was about to say, it's not cheap. I imagine to have
2: people out there twenty four hours a day, right? You know, I don't know, and, and we paid, and but, we can
3: you know take them and give them a you know. A better a better lifestyle than you know, than the currently living you know yeah. come in spend more time with with family yeah and stuff instead of staying you know you know weeks upon out and um, on location you know and just uh be able to deliver accurate information to to the uh to the operator um and so you know cameras and 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 um machine and you know what we would use is like a uh answering type service for them to to talk to and uh you know, they don't fall asleep or yeah. get angry. <laughs> so or, you're
0: enabling the gate guard with better technology to do the job better, not replacing them.
3: No, I mean the the camera would sit out there and it would okay. collect the information, and then you know the 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 personnel coming under location would have to you know stop at the gate still. Um, you know, the camera would would run their license plate. They would call the number that's listed on the the sign signage. Um, they'd give the same info, like they would give a a gate guard. Yeah. um, You know, and then they would be led into location. And um, I always
2: hated talking to gate guards
3: because my last
2: name's hard to say. So I'd be like in a wireline truck that's just loud and they'd be like, what's your name? (laughs) It's like Colin McClellan. They're like, what? I just started (laughs) telling them, give them my middle name. It's like, I'm calling Andrew. (laughs) 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 Done playing this game. (laughs) So, yeah. So we
3: just, you know, um, you know, like I said, there, there's some, there's some gaps in the system that we think we can, we can, uh, we can hit head on um, with this new, Solution, um, yeah, yeah. That's
2: what's nice about being a private service company is that when you identify gaps in the market, you can act on them, right? And just like you said, that you guys are fluid, you're nimble. If you see an opportunity to make money and provide mm-hmm. service, it's so like why, why not do that, right?
3: Yeah, no, we're excited. I think um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge because it's new. You know, this is this is this is a uh, industry changing, right? So yeah. uh, generational tra- changing. So it's going to. It's gonna take a little bit to to probably wrap everybody's mind and eyes yeah. and, you know, have faith, but I'm we can keep pushing sure, and I'm sure a lot of landowners will like it.
2: Absolutely. I think that's I was gonna send out a tweet the other day, I was like, You haven't lived in the oil field if you haven't been Held Run at off. gunpoint by a landowner. So <laughs> if you can make their leases more secure and then... You remember EMP. that one time
0: we drove out? It was like our second time we went out to our lease. We drove out in the wrong lease. We were like a mile deep on this guy's property. And we are like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to open up gates. I was like, and oh, shit, this is the wrong place. I was like, let's get the fuck I'm out I'm on the wrong we're lease. We're going to get yeah. shot to the wells yeah. that we own. We don't even know how to find them. I was
2: like, man, we're about to get shot in our own wells. We <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to turn left at the Gatorade bottle on the
0: ground. And there's a tree with three branches oh, yeah. right there.
3: That's all field direction.
0: Have you guys given any thought to, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of processes. Have you given much thought to kind of building any data analytics around that that you can kind of offer as a service as well?
1: I feel like that would be, I mean, uh, there's going to be multi multiple phases, I think, to the, the, specifically the security point, but also we're looking at some different technology you know uh, enhancers on the fluids piece as well you know um and so I- yeah cuz i think like
2: if you look at like amazon And Walmart, they almost have predictive analytics. So, like, no, let's use a better example. A company that I actually really like is HEB. HEB's logistics, I mean, are just amazing. And they're, you know, even doesn't matter if it's Hurricane Harvey, Mm -hmm. whatever natural disaster it is, they're able to scale up and scale down in their supply chain and logistics do EMPs look at that? And you made a, you made an interesting comment earlier that you said some companies had internal fluid departments. I didn't know if you're referencing EMPs or not. I don't know if they have internal fluid departments, but imagine that there's a ton of cost savings for EMPs by just not buying more product than they need. I remember when I was drilling, like we'd always have, you know, pallets of leftover mud or paper or whatever it might be. You know, do you guys, look at that like how to make emps more efficient by making sure they have the right amount of mud that they need and not too much
3: yeah absolutely i mean that's that's part of our you know panther advantage is that we we are streamlining that process we are managing it we're you know making sure that we're not sending excess material excess you know having trucks out there all these things that can add up that can cost them a lot more money in their um -hmm. drilling operation we can now control that and, and, and you know, alleviate a lot of their problems and a lot of, you know, money that they might spend extra um, by trying to manage it all themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. And some do internally. You know? Yeah. I think we, we call them fluid scoobers, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're the guy, you know, at the operator who, customer, who who knows the fluids, right? And yeah. so in those scenarios, it's a mutual respect, you know, because yeah. he knows what he's doing right Yeah. Now, there's just some that don't have that, right? And, and, yeah, no, there's actually savings to be had and efficiencies to be gained yeah. um, with making sure the right quantities and the right Kims are out there, the right products are out there. Um, we can do it better, you know, with multiple rigs as well. You know, rather than just having one rig where you're running fluids on, you know, if you have two, you can, say you have overages here, you can move it to this rig, you know. Yeah. You, 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 can, you can make it work even more efficient with multiple rigs. Yeah.
2: So I have a question for you guys. What's been the most challenging part in going from HMP, which is a hundred year old company. I didn't know that. I didn't know if they were that old, um, you know, very established company to a three-year-old startup. How has that been for you guys personally? And what's the differences? <laughs>
3: um, obviously challenging, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, but um, I mean, it, it had, it's, you know, it has its pros and cons. I mean, I would say it's it's just you got to earn that trust. You know, um, and and like I said earlier, we've been very blessed that you know we haven't lost any work. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, we're still there's still challenges in getting and building that trust with the customers to know that you you know we have a hundred and thirty thirty years worth of experience on our team um, overall in, in fluids and in um, fluids management. And, but it's just getting them to believe that you know you can do what you say you can do. And, yeah, uh, takes a know, long time to build that up. It does, and you know, even even with long time relationships and stuff like that, um, you know, you still gotta you still gotta show them, still gotta prove it. Yeah, and um, you know, we're moving in that right direction. I would say.
1: Yeah, I, um, I mean, established company to a new company. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a big quote guy, right? Like I, <laughs> I'll, I'll read and my wife would probably laugh at me when I say that, you know, when I read, you know, cause it's not <laughs> all the time and I probably, you know, brag about it more than I actually do. But yeah. so I, I like to remember good quotes. Right. And the one I've been thinking about today is if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And so for us, like the challenge is tough. And, uh, you know we're growing as a company and we're growing as individuals and i think for us realizing you know going from a big fish you know mm-hmm. to a small fish we're having to break out of our box you know and, and be a and little we'll more, more comfortable yeah <laughs> and so it's uh it, it's, it's 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 a challenge you know but i think if we just keep our head down and keep pushing on that we're going to have success yeah. you know
3: I'll, I'll tell you a quick story, which is pretty funny. The the difference probably between working at H&P and where we're at now, it was like my first week on the job at H&P. Um, I came from all small service companies before that, you know, r- r- uh, family-owned stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's my first week making some cold calls. Well, I sent an email to the wrong, to, to the, I sent it to the head of completions. Well, he responds back to me saying, oh, thanks for the, for the um, email, I forwarded all your information in to the uh, uh vice president of drilling who'll be reaching out to you who really wants to talk to you and uh, come into the office. Right then I knew that I, that I was like, man, I'm gonna like selling rigs. <laughs> you know, because uh right now I think if I send something to the completions department, I think it just gets deleted and you know, I've gotta go figure <laughs> out who's in the drilling department. So it was uh that was probably when I realized that, you know, H and V's products are, you know, sell themselves. These rigs are nice. Yeah, they are. They always have been. So, no,
2: that, yeah, that was, that was, you had some, you had some clout to work with, huh? Yeah, I'm you going, know? man, this
3: is awesome. <laughs> you know, how, to, how do I get him to do this now? Uh, yeah. Would
0: now y'all have any, uh, would y'all have any advice for anybody who wants to come into this space and, you know, wants to yeah. start something new in the OFS space, know what you know now, you're three years into this journey. Or someone that's looking for that going,
2: you know, maybe they were laid off from a bigger company yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. they're looking to join a startup or a new service company, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, maybe they just don't want to work for a big corporate anymore and they want to go on the startup journey and join a, a company. Do you guys have any advice for them off the top of your head?
3: Man, just, uh, you know, keep, keep your mind running, you know, keep open thoughts, you know, anything's possible. Um, and you know, just, uh, and just keep your head down, keep working and, and, and it'll uh I think it'll come to fruition in my opinion, you know. Um I love good challenges. Yeah. So um, you know, that's kinda why I like new startup type stuff because, you know, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think they're fun. Um, so it's um, in my opinion it's 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 trust yourself, trust what you want to do and and go for it. And uh don't be afraid to swing the bat. Love so. it.
2: Yeah, I like the uh, the challenge aspect. That's it gets you up every day. Yeah, it's absolutely. nice to have something to challenge you, right? and be it is. Excited about
0: it. It
3: mm-hmm. is.
2: You have any advice, or he, he cover it for you, Tom? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I think just hang in there. You know, the the market, uh, the industry is going through a really tough time right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people out there with jobs. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to have one. Uh, you know. And I, I, I love working for Panther. I love working with Chris, you know, and it's just hang in there um, and and just I'd say really, really push yourself out of your comfort zone and, and really try to develop some strong relationships. You know, uh, I think it, with the pandemic, you know, pushing a lot of people indoors, it's really put a strain on just you know um mm-hmm. uh, interaction you know human interaction physical interaction with people and so uh try to network the best you can and uh just you know try and get out and see people you know try try different groups um yeah you know organizations everything like boils that. down to re-
2: relationships i think right. relationships and expanding your skill get her two and things you should always invest in yeah mm-hmm.
3: absolutely and I'm, I'm big on just you know everybody wears all different kind of hats, you know, if somebody need our help with operations, if, you know, if we can do it and learn it, let's go do it. You yeah. know, that's uh, if we want to go to the field. If you, you know, you know, it's um, you know, like I said, we just all try to help each other wherever we can and grow as much as we possibly can. Yeah. So,
2: Well, if someone's listening to this episode and they want to reach out to you guys and hear about your services, where can they find you? Do you guys have a website? Are you guys on LinkedIn? Tell us where they can contact you.
3: Yeah, we got LinkedIn. Um, we got we got our website. Um, Pantherfluids. You know, pantherfluids.com and then yeah, we do have we have LinkedIn, we have Facebook, we have a YouTube channel. Cool. So you know, we kind of cover all the, the find you guys anywhere. Exactly. Our
1: emails are easy. Tom D at Panther Fluids and Chris G at Panther Fluids. So. Perfect.
3: Yeah, so it's uh, reach out and we'd love to help you. You know, we can. Awesome guys. Well, thanks for coming
2: on the show today. Absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you. For you. Thanks for us. the vodka yeah. as well. Enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, guys. Uh, if you like the episode, take two seconds to leave as a rating review. By the way, uh, we just realized that if you've been signing up for the uh, the Roundup newsletter and you haven't received it, there's a little bit of an error. We figured out there's hundreds of people that have not been receiving the email. We fixed it. You're going to be getting in your inbox this coming week. Uh, so go check that out if you're not subscribed. It's pretty much the best. It's the best that in the world. Trust me, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.